Good morning, guys. Our scripture reading for today comes from Philippians chapter 1, verses 27 through 30. Above all, you must live as citizens of heaven, conducting yourselves in a manner worthy of the good news about Christ. Then, whether I come and see you again or only hear about you, I will know that you are standing together with one spirit and one purpose, fighting together for the faith, which is the good news. Don't be intimidated in any way by your enemies. This will be a sign to them that they are going to be destroyed, but that you are going to be saved even by God himself. For you have been given not only the privilege of trusting in Christ, but also the privilege of suffering for him. We are in this struggle together. You have seen my struggle in the past, and you know that I am still in the midst of it. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So we are in a new sermon series for the last couple of weeks that we're calling Formed. And it's a series of talks that we're giving about uh, what it looks like to, like the ins and the outs of following Jesus. What it looks like to learn how to practice the way of Jesus. Uh, if you're just joining us this week, I would absolutely encourage you to go back a couple weeks and listen to the couple weeks before this. Um, but we've been using this phrase to talk about this idea called spiritual formation. Uh, and here's how we've defined spiritual formation. We took it from a book called Invitation to a Journey by Robert Mulholland, which we really highly recommend. Um, but here's how he defines spiritual formation. He says, spiritual formation is the process of being conformed to the image of Christ for the sake of others. Uh, another way of saying that is uh, becoming like Jesus for the good of the world. And um, I've been so excited about today, uh, about this week in the series, because this week we want to talk about the role of the church, uh, the role of the church in our own spiritual formation. Uh, and this is a super interesting time to me to discuss this because church is kind of weird right now, right? Uh, it's totally different than it was uh, even a year ago at this time. And I don't know about you, but I've gotten kind of used to... Um, showing up on Sunday morning, like the slowness of showing up in my pajamas with my family, chatting with you guys in the chat. And it's been really sweet for us as a family. Um, also sometimes very loud for us as a family. Um, but at the same time of all that sweetness, my soul is like craving the community of the gathered church on Sunday mornings. Like craving being with you, singing with you, um, craving communion in person. Um, it's like this soul craving of the energy and the flow of the physical presence of people all together in the name of Jesus. And, um, and so there's absolutely been this shift in Sunday gatherings uh, because of COVID, because of this crazy virus. And, and so scholars and big thinkers that are uh, writing articles that I have this new habit of, of reading all these articles as we've tried to figure out what church looks like for us uh, week after week and month after month. Um, they're saying that many parts of what is happening right now um, of these shifts that have happened because of COVID will be longstanding things. Uh, the truth is, uh, the Sunday gathering of church is not going away, um, but it is being refined in some truly difficult and yet really beautiful ways. Um, so in our text today that Chad just read, uh, Paul is talking about what it looks like to live an intentionally formed life as a person of Jesus, as a citizen of heaven is his is his phrase, as a kingdom person. Um, what it looks like to struggle alongside with the support of one another together for the work of the kingdom. 
Uh, and the church is the place where the followers of Jesus do this. Uh, the church is the gift of God for the people of God. Uh, Paul says uh, in Corinthians that the church has been given the ministry of reconciliation. And then in Ephesians chapter 4, he says that the church exists to equip the people of God for ministry for that ministry of reconciliation. Uh, this, it is the framework for the gathered church, equipping the people of God for the work of the kingdom uh, to train and refresh and build up and support and send out God's people for God's work in the world. Uh, when we see the church this way, it uh, draws a, pr a pretty significant framework around what happens on Sunday mornings, what happens in our sun Sunday gatherings. Um, I believe that Sunday mornings are incredibly, like unbelievably important, vitally important to the heart and work of Jesus and the heart and work in our own lives. Um, but we miss something massive when Sunday mornings terminate, terminate on themselves, so to speak. Uh, Aaron Nequist, who wrote a book that I love called The Eternal Current. Um, I love this book so much. Go read it. Um, and actually, it's influenced most of what I'm going to say today. I should probably just quote him. Um, for the entire sermon, give him tons of credit. But here's what he says. Aaron Equal says this. He says, a Sunday service is not the main event, but rather a training ground to help all of us become people who can live the way Jesus would if he was in our place. Sunday gatherings, they exist to equip us for the ministry that God set out for us, for the ministry of reconciliation that we uh, together would support each other in, in the struggle for the work of the kingdom. Um, but there's been this strange cultural shift where modern church has um, in some ways set down the role of equipping the saints and taken up this role of like entertaining the saints. Um, turning Sunday mornings into a main event instead of a training ground, a place to observe instead of a place to practice and engage uh, hope and healing and empowering and encouraging. Uh, here at the Vineyard, we believe and practice something um, that the, the big church word for it is the priesthood of the believer. Um, at, at, for the Vineyard Movement, John Wimber, who started the Vineyard Movement, his phrase for this was, everybody gets to play. Uh, we believe that through Jesus, every single follower of Christ has the exact same access to God and to the gifts of God through the Holy Spirit. Uh, that through Jesus and following him, um, everyone has been and is being equipped and empowered by the Spirit of God for the work of the kingdom. Uh, for the work and the wonder of the kingdom, that, that we're all ministers of the good news of the gospel of Jesus. The way we say it often around here is that as Jesus followers, we've been appointed um, as the chaplain of wherever we are. I always claim that I'm the chaplain of Kroger. Wherever I am in that moment, I'm the chaplain of that place. That's what it means, the priesthood of the believer, everybody getting to play. This is a theological value of ours that we hold steady to. And um, I'm quoting Aaron Nequist again here, um, that to be empowered, uh, the church exists to be empowered as a body of image bearers versus a top-down institution. And so because of this deeply held value, uh, our hope in Sunday gatherings is not just to, um, to become a place that you come to watch, but uh, to become a place that will empower you, that will empower people that join us both as individuals and as a body to practice and participate in the worship and the work of the kingdom. Uh, this might be a better way to say it. 
when I had a crush on Daniel, my husband, um, I found out that we were members of the same gym. We went to the same gym. Um, I guess maybe a more honest answer or way to say that would be that Daniel went to this gym regularly. I had gotten a membership with my roommates one night on a whim, and I know that we had gone exactly one time. Um, but when I found out that Daniel went to this gym, I started going a lot. And you would think that that meant that I got into like amazing shape because I was going to the gym all the time. But the truth is, I was going to the gym uh, to look at Daniel, to look at Daniel and to be near him. Uh, some of you are judging me right now, but you've done the exact same thing. So uh, I thought Daniel was wonderful and I was very curious about him. And so I went to the gym to watch him and I watched how friendly he was, how kind he was, how he shared his equipment. I counted how many times he went to the water fountain. Basically, this is a story all about what a creep I am. Um, but my number one priority at the gym was to put myself in proximity to and to watch Daniel, not to work out to watch him. Therefore, I did not end up with like some slamming body at the end of this gym membership. I did end up observing a lot of things about Daniel that turned out to be true and wonderful, um, but I did not get in shape. Uh, if the point of going to the gym, and I think we can all agree on this, if the point of going to the gym is to better our physical fitness, uh, then we cannot better our physical fitness by watching someone else better theirs, by watching someone else work out. Are you tracking with me? Um, church on Sunday mornings, it is a great place to come if you are curious about Jesus. If you want to put yourself in proximity to Jesus, that is a great thing. And I think the church is a perfect place for that. But the ultimate goal and role of a Sunday morning gathering is not to gather a group of people together so that they can watch and applaud a few people follow Jesus or do the work of the kingdom. The ultimate goal of the gathering is to get on the elliptical or bust out some crunches, uh, so to speak. It's, it's, to, it's to be equipped to do the stuff, to be rested and refreshed in order to do the stuff. The goal of Sunday mornings is to empower the people of God into the work in their own arena, into our own work, in our own place, to join God in the renewal of all things right where we are in our actual lives. The church, it exists to help people connect with God and to connect with one another and then to send us out into the world to practice the kingdom all around us. So it matters that we show up on Sundays. It matters that we put ourselves in proximity to God and to his people to share the air of the kingdom. It equips us. We are equipped as we sing together. We're equipped in the practices of reading the scripture and unpacking the scripture. We're equipped by Selah. We, I think, are especially equipped by communion. We are equipped on Sunday mornings and during the week through community and classes and core groups. Uh, but the work of the kingdom, the work of the church, uh, it goes so far beyond Sunday mornings or so far beyond the programs that we offer. Uh, what we do in the hour or so that we spend together, or if you're in a group, the couple hours a week that, that we spend together, um, what we do in that time, th those are not the main event. Those things exist in order to equip us for the remaining 160 however many hours we have left in the week. We say a lot around here that we believe we were created on purpose for purpose, that uh, the job of gathering as a church is to equip us to carry out that purpose. 
Um, our hope is that when we as a church look around us in our community and in our town, that we would become the kind of people that, that see and feel the empowering of the spirit and the equipping of our church to become the chaplain of wherever it is that we are. Uh, to become the kind of people who live out of the deeply held belief that God has filled and is filling us with the gifting and the wisdom and the creativity and the purpose to join the quest uh, for solutions to the questions and problems and broken places that we see all around us all over the world. Our great hope for you is that uh, not just for you to believe things about Jesus, our great hope is that those beliefs will lead you to action. That you would believe so much in Jesus that you would believe he's given you purpose. I remember um, when Daniel and I bought our first house. So I creeped him at the gym, we get married, we move into an apartment, and then we buy our first house. And very early on um, in, in that home ownership, our garbage disposal broke. And I remember calling Daniel at work, and um, I was like, who, who, who do we call when the disposal broke? It's like, who's the maintenance department when you own your own home? And I remember his answer, and he was like, we are. It's us. Like, we're the ones who fix the garbage disposal now. Uh, it's a similar idea here. Who is supposed to do the work of renewal in the world? It's not just the monks or the priests uh, or the Mother Teresas of the world or the paid staff of a church. It's, it's us. We are the church. We are. For example, um, we believe at the Vineyard that the kingdom of God is living and active in the world. We uh, believe in praying for people, and we believe that when we do that, sometimes heaven breaks into earth and, and miraculous things happen. People wake up to things or are released from things or get miraculously healed from things. We absolutely believe in this. And when we are together on Sunday mornings, we uh, pray for each other every single Sunday. We pray for these things. But as your pastor, it is my hope that you would believe that healing prayer isn't something that we just do on Sunday mornings or on special gatherings or services, but that you have in fact been empowered and equipped to pray for all of those things all on your own, in your own world, in your own neighborhood, in your own context. Um, sometimes people will call me and ask me if I'll meet them somewhere to pray for someone for healing. I actually do this to Chad all the time. I'm like, I, I want to go pray for this. Will you come? Because I don't know, maybe it'll work if you come. Um, and, and he answers me the same way I've answered so many of you. He'll be like, yeah, absolutely, I'll come. But you don't need me to pray for healing. Like, uh, you have access to the exact same spirit. You, as a Jesus person, are equipped and empowered to pray for healing and hope and reconciliation and, and renewal. Now, I'm not saying don't call us because I love praying for healing. Um, I'm just saying that you can do it without us. Uh, here's another one, another example. Um, we believe that the job of the church is absolutely to engage with and talk about social issues of our day. Um, we've done that as long as I've been here. We'll keep doing that as long as I am here. Um, I, I, we believe that. Things like racial injustice. It is absolutely the job of the church to talk about things like racial injustice. And we will keep doing it. But it is also the job of the church to move into action in these things. For the people of God uh, to, to start fighting inequality, for us to do that is bigger than mentioning it in a sermon or doing a sermon series on it. In the face of injustice, words are incredibly important, but the church is called to something even bigger than words. It's called to words and action. It's called to words and movement. 
like people set apart by God to join him in the reconciliation uh, in the face of injustice. We won't stop talking about injustice. I absolutely believe that that's our job. But my hope is that that we would talk about Jesus and issues in a way that encourages you um, and reminds you, wakes you up to your equipping in, uh, in order, equipping and empowering in order that you might move and act in the name of Jesus for the good of the world. Uh, I heard something in a training that I went to uh, this week that was so striking and it was so helpful and honestly uh, a bit wrecking for me. Um, it says, the girl in the training, she said this sentence. She said, God has not called you to be superhuman. He has invited you to be fully human. To step into the world with our broken bits and our vulnerable places to step into the world as forgiven works in progress. Uh, in other words, you have been invited to do the work of renewal right in the middle of your own renewal. God's great plan of rescue was to break into the world as a human. Human was his chosen vehicle. He isn't asking you to be superhuman. That's his job. He is asking you uh, for you to take your humanity into the world around you uh, far beyond the reach of what a Sunday morning is able to do. And the last thing, and I think this is incredibly important, um, we are able to do this. We are able to join God in this work of reconciliation as the priesthood of believers uh, to do all of these things because the good news is this. The good news is that we don't have to go searching for the presence of God. It is with us always. It is with us always. Not just on Sunday mornings, but absolutely there. Always. Our job is to wake up to that reality. Um, a priest that I am very fond of, he says this. He says, we cannot attain the presence of God because we're already totally in the presence of God. What is absent is is awareness. What is absent is not presence. What is absent is awareness. Uh, Sunday gatherings are one of the ways that we wake up to the fact that we are completely and totally submerged in the presence of God. It is one of the ways that God empowers us and equips us uh, to carry that presence, that great hope into the world. And so for Selah today, um, that's how I want to spend our few minutes. Uh, coming into an awareness of God's presence. Uh, so that's what we do. Uh, what, uh, so it's a little practice to allow us to wake up to the reality of the presence of God in which we are already completely submerged. Um, this may feel super weird to you, and that's okay. If you've never done anything like this before, it will feel weird. Um, there are far more terrifying things than doing something weird. So Maybe just try it or don't. Um, but uh, we are going to do something called a breath prayer or a centering prayer is another word for it. It's this great spiritual practice. We talked a couple weeks ago about um, spiritual practices. We said we would let you into some of the things that we do. Um, so I'm going to let you into my own centering prayer, my own uh, breath prayer. Um, I stole it from Brennan Manning, so you can steal it from me. Um, and here's what I do. I try to do this for two minutes every morning and two minutes every evening, every single day. Uh, I don't do it every single day, but I try to in the morning and in the evening. I set a timer for two minutes. That's excruciating for me being silent for two minutes. You might do it for like 
100 minutes. I don't know. Um, but here's how you do it. Uh, a breath prayer or sitting prayer, you, here's what you do. You come up with a word or a phrase like hope or God or Father, Spirit, courage, whatever. Um, you come up with a word or a phrase that, that draws you to Jesus. And um, then you, as you sit in silence, you breathe in and breathe out uh this word, these things, you bring them to your mind as you're breathing in and you're breathing out. And so here's the phrase we're going to use today. It's Abba, I belong to you. Abba, I belong to you. So what we're going to do is take five deep breaths. Um, and you, you, again, you can do this anywhere. You can take five deep breaths in the shower, at a red light, while you're doing whatever. It's, it, it's a great thing to take anywhere with you. So as you breathe in, you'll think you'll bring to your mind the word Abba. And as you bring, breathe out, then um, you bring to your mind the phrase, I belong to you. Breathe in, Abba. Breathe out, I belong to you. Um, and you'll feel yourself as you start to wake up to the presence of God. If five breaths doesn't work for you, take more. It'll happen. So we'll take a few minutes and be really quiet and give you time to take five deep breaths. So Father, we thank you that your presence goes with us and is with us always. And so I pray that you would wake us up to the reality that you are with us and for us. I pray that, um, that as a church, you would grow us to a place where Sunday mornings are equipping and empowering, that we would leave... Um, on a video or in person in a few weeks, but that we would leave empowered to do the work of the kingdom, that we would uh, leave seeing ourselves as um, your representative wherever we are. We every week talk about how we are, um, we pass the peace of Christ because it is the thing that we have to offer the world. And so I just pray that um, we would feel restored and encouraged and empowered and equipped to be the peace bringers to the world, to our own world. In your name we pray, amen.